Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the podcast brought to you by eToro Academy. We have former Arsenal and England fullback Lee Dixon with us who made over 600 career appearances as well as playing 22 times for the England national team. Lee was a key part of the famous double winning side of 1998 and 2002 and also won the European Cup Winners' Cup in 1994. Lee now works as a football analyst and I'm sure many of our listeners will tune in regularly to hear him commentating on England games and games from the Premier League. Lee, how are you? Morning, Sam. Yeah, I'm really good. Nice and early. I love an early start. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's not too bad. It's nine o'clock, so it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the weather's not great, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. Um, as a as a big Arsenal fan my, myself, it's been quite an encouraging start to this season. I'd say we're almost sort of two thirds of the of the way through, and and top four is is possible. Are you yeah. surprised at all by this? Um, before the season started, I would you know we were all looking at the top four. Could we break back into that after um, we're finishing the last couple of seasons where we have? So yeah. Back when the season started, we were looking at that. Then now the start went, and there was a you know it was a little bit bumpy the road, and I think at uh, at that certainly first three games were very bumpy. Um, after that, um, we were kind of maybe set your expectations a bit lower. So um, so overall, I think it's encouraging the fact that the club has now adopted the policy as regarding signings and the the youth of the team and. I think they bought into what uh, Mikel is trying to do. I think everybody watching now sees some sort of a pattern uh, appearing the way we're playing. I think that's encouraging. That's probably more encouraging than than the results we've had of late is the fact that there is a, a progress and he keeps talking about the plan. And I think now people can see a, a plan and and everybody seems to be on the same page, which is which is great. And that's always sometimes the thing you should be able, you should be judging uh, development on is is that does everybody seem to be understanding what they're trying to do? And I think the answer to that is yes. So um, so now I'm kind of resetting those um, like we all do expectations and thinking right now we if we don't get in the top four we'll be really disappointed. So again you as a football fan, and I am a football fan, as well as obviously, as you said, analysing the game as we go along, as a, the fan in me is like, I'm sort of holding back on that expectation because I know how difficult it is. I know when you look at games in hand, you, you as a fan, you kind of go, well, we'll win that one. Yeah. So you give, you give the points already without the effort and the, what it takes to win the game. So um, you've got to be very careful. Those games in hand don't become points before you've actually played. So, but very encouraging and um, and they're good to watch as well, you know, because, you know, we have got a lot of exciting young players and with that, you do get the ups and the downs. So I think when football becomes, if you're really, really good, sometimes it's like City's a good example. Mm. You know, I've heard people say about City being, oh, God, they're pretty boring to watch because 
you know, you have to sort of step back a little bit and go, they're not boring. It's just that you've got used to them being like that every week. And so with Arsenal at the moment, with the ups and downs, it's exciting. It's, you know, it's like watching Leeds. <laughs> not like watching it. It's a, it's a similar experience if you're a Leeds fan. It's kind of like, oh, you know, it's... But that's what gets us as, as human beings excited. The emotion of of, of um, all of the stuff that goes on when you lose, when you win, when you're excited. So it, it's, it's it's good to watch at the moment. I'm, I'm really enjoying watching them. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like we're going in, in the right direction. You alluded to... Uh, sort of the process and and the signings and we obviously make a number of signings over the summer I think it was six first team yeah. players if, if I'm not wrong like who that. do you think has has been the best investment for the short and long term or would you say they're all kind of long-term investments yeah I think that you know when you're buying that sort of age group of players then they are long-term and I think that's the difficulty from Arteta's point of view is that he set out this plan and he he knew that there was going to be a period of time where people like we all do go, well, what's happening now? What's happening now? And, um, and maybe it's the same with investing. You know, you're looking at it going, what's happening now? It's yeah. in eToro. It's, it's the same kind of thing. You go, well, it hasn't gone up. You know, why hasn't it gone up? Oh, it's gone down. And, you know, if, you, if you're investing long-term and that's what the club are doing, then you have to, be very patient. And the difficulty with, with sport is that it happens every two to three days is a game. So you potentially, you know, if the, I guess if the markets are going up on, on an upward curve, you can kind of ride that way for a bit. With football, you know, it's, it, I guess there's a lot of similarities. Now I'm talking about, it, there's a lot of similarities to, to, to investing in, uh, in money markets and, and all of that lot is that, at any point, you can you can get beat, and then you can win, lose again three days later, and all of a sudden the whole world's caving in. Yeah. And then then you win three on the trot. You know, Tottenham are a perfect example of that, beating Man City and then losing to Burnley. It's kind of like oh, you know. So that's the beauty of sport, and that's why we love it. And uh, you don't know, you just don't know what's around the corner. Ask Liverpool in '89; they didn't know what was coming. <laughs> Yeah, thankfully, thankfully. <laughs> in your in your own play career, I guess you would be considered to have been the sort of perfect investment for Arsenal. Bought from Stoke in, in the lower leagues and then went on to achieve, you know, many Arsenal appearances. Would, what do you think allowed you to play at the level you did for, for so long? Was it like a mix of things or is there something in, in particular? No, it was, it, it was definitely a mix. Um, and, you know, you throw into, a, you throw into that um, look huge amount of luck that I got the opportunities when I did and it was perfect timing for me as a young hungry um player from the lower leagues and that's what George you know that bit's not luck because George handpicked the players that he wanted to sign his recruitment was just brilliant and to to get the you know the virtually the back four together for a million quid um, including Tony, who was, you know, a youth player. So, um, you know, that that was his skill. Um, but it's a timing thing from a look point of view for me. Lucky with injuries. Um, mm. Very rarely got injured. So I was allowed to, you know, accumulate huge amounts of appearances. Um, because, you you know, you, over that period, 15, nearly 15 years I was there, over that period of time you would expect 
to have chunks of time out. And I, I didn't really, you know, very, very rarely pulled a hamstring. Um, didn't really do any stretching, just touched my toes and off I go. So I was lucky in that respect. My body kind of worked on its own. I didn't really need to, to do a lot. I've had a knee replacement since that. So maybe playing all those games wore out my knee. But, um, you know, it didn't. I didn't miss games. So that, that, was, that was probably the luck. I was, I was reasonably intelligent. Um, I could take information on. And I think that's helped me in what I do now in analysing the game. I was very analytical when I played. I could kind of work out positions. But being taught by George, I couldn't defend to save my life when I signed. <laughs> George educated me about how to, where to be, when to be. And I was quick at picking that up. So um, that was a skill I had. I, I couldn't, you know, if you gave me a ball now, I'd probably do about three keepy-ups. <laughs> that wasn't my skill set. Um, but I knew where to be on the pitch at any one time. And I think when young players looking at that as they're going through, you know, trying to make it in football, you know, I never forget. So I can't remember it was, it was always, you know, out of possession, be in position. That was one of the sayings that stuck in my head when you haven't got the ball, be in the right position. And that's like, it's so true. And we see that with some teams now that when they, you know, they're all the, with this high pressing and high energy games, when they do press and and or they lose the ball, it's like, and, and Arsenal were guilty of that to a certain extent over the last few years of, you know, without the ball, they were, they were very poor and they would get opened up. And that has all changed now. And that's, you know, testament to the coach and the coaches. They've done a really good job with this, this young bunch. So, um, yeah, I guess... A lot of mix to go into making a, a career as long as I had. And uh, and I kind of, my attitude was always, I've ticked another one off. I've played another game. It was always one game at a time. And I'll never forget the biggest surprise I ever had was we playing at Highbury. And um, I think Gary Lewin said to me, the, the physio, he said, oh, you've got a presentation before the game today. Don't forget. And I was like, what's that for? And they were like, 500 games and I got a you know a silver Arsenal cannon before the game on the pitch wow. and I went 500 <laughs> I, didn't even know. I was like how did that happen because I was like right once I played one game it's like could I get to two and then yeah. could I get to three and then maybe 10 and I, and I kind of ticked them off and before you know it 619 goes and I'm and I'm retiring it's like and that was and then again 20 years later I retired 20 years ago 2002 and it was like that's just gone like that so it goes even quicker when you're not playing yeah I bet what what was more sweet the the double 2002 or 1998 what did you tre- treasure more 98 um I enjoyed it because I knew it was coming to an end and it was my one and knew we had a chance of winning the double so but the 98 I was probably at my peak um under Wenger two years under him and and that team, and I still say to this day, and I'll argue as long as the day is long, that that 98 side was the best side I played in and it would have beaten. Over 10 games, if we played them 10 times, we'd beat the Invincibles. Wow. More, more than they'd beat us. I, I will argue all day long. Um, wow. It was it was an incredible side. And we had, yeah, was, yeah. We, still had we still had us lot at the back in our peak. Um, more or less, and and we had you know 
Pierre and Petit were were genius. And we had Nicholas Anelka's first season and he was unplayable. I don't, so, you know, Thierry went on to be the, you know, top goal scorer and, the, and he's a good mate of mine. But that season of Nicholas, he was better than anything I'd ever seen. And nobody knew who he was. He was a kid and he just literally couldn't stop scoring. And everyone was like, and we was like, wow, just give him the ball. He's just, he'll score. And we knew how to keep it out at one end. And yet we were still exciting. You know, we scored goals, we'd rip teams to pieces. And I'm not saying the 2000, I'm not saying the Invincibles were weren't very good. I mean, they went the season undefeated. Yeah. But we'd still, 10 games, I reckon we'd take draws out of it. I think we'd probably beat them 6-4. Wow. It'd be interesting to see if any of them bite back to that. Um, we often say I've to... Said it, I've said it more than once, so I'm keep <laughs> waiting for someone to reply, but nobody does. I'm sure they will. Uh, we often say to new investors uh, they should look long-term with their investments, have that patience. Were there any players you played with who, at first sight, you didn't think were going to be up to much but then once they bedded in they just became these amazing stars well you're not going to believe this but Thierry Henry when it really Patrick, Patrick Vieira well I'll start with Patrick first when he first came he had a bit of a knee injury and he so he wasn't fit so he signed and he passed his medical because it was just a meniscus it was something that was going to clear up yeah um and then when he came out to train when his knee was okay a few maybe a week later or whatever it was he was probably protecting his knee and he wasn't a particularly good trainer, Patrick. He was, he, he always seemed to have something wrong. We, we used to call him the old man, you know, he was like, <laughs> he would all be limping, something would be wrong with his body. And he was only, he was only young. We said, what's up with him? You know, it was like, and he, he kind of lumbered around training ground and he was fiddling with his knee and was like, wow, this is, I'm not sure about this lad. Yeah. Anyway, came on a sub, I think it was against his, Sheffield Wednesday, I think he came on. He was the sub and he came on. I can't remember how long it was after he'd signed, but he came on and was like, oh, Patrick's coming on. And he he literally just l- took over the game. It was like, wow. It was wow. almost like it was his twin brother that we hadn't seen before. <laughs> was like, where's this guy come from? And from that moment on, but in the, the first early signs, and the same with Thierry, when he first came, Wenger had a genius idea to turn him from a left-sided striker, winger, to a centre-forward. And, in training, he literally couldn't hit a barn door. He was all over the place. You know, we'd do shooting practice and I'd score more than he would. And that tells you everything <laughs> you need to know. And he was like, wow, this kid, what? You know, it's like, he was a bit, probably a bit nervous. He was, he had a bit of an arrogance about him, which was turned into a big strength of his. Um, because he was, he's so, uh, so in tune with his own ability that he just thought, but, and he didn't realise the environment he was coming into. You'll, you'll hear him talk about it was a shock because he thought he was, you know, a good player and he came in and we didn't let him mess about. You know, there was a, there was a, uh, almost like a, a, a pressure on the new players to, to learn the Arsenal way. We don't mess about in training. It's full on. You know, he came and he had his socks over his knees and he was like, you know, just, and we were smashing into him within 10 minutes of the first training session. He's like, whoa, what's going on here? So we've got a game in a few days. We don't, it doesn't matter. We train right up until Friday afternoon and then we're ready to play on Saturday. And all of that was a learning curve for him. And I think he was he struggled a bit in training. And we did think at that point, we're not sure. And then once he, once he started playing and scoring, I mean, the, the rest is history and probably one of the best players that Arsenal have ever had. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Moving on to investing now, and and your your Onitoro yourself is, is that right? And you, yeah. How, how long have you sort of been interested in it? And and going back to your playing career, did players get advised what to invest while they were playing, or yeah, what, you know, were what, these things brought in, up in the dressing room as well, or not really? Yeah, no, there was always. There was always some scheme or some, you know, hmm. dead cert going on somewhere. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're young. We, we didn't obviously have the money that the, the lads have got now. I mean, they're all surrounded by, you know, an entourage of people looking after different departments of their lives, um, I'm sure. And we had a very small version of that. We might have an, I didn't have an agent, to be honest with you. I had a hmm. financial advisor who, who Brian Tolbert, the ex-Arsenal player, um introduced me to when I when he signed for Stoke, you know, and he's I got in the side and he took me under his wing a little bit and he says, Oh, come and see my guy in Ipswich. You know, they went back all to the Ipswich days. And so I I, I had the same financial advisor for, for many years. Um so you know they'd be the usual ices and and yeah. a few bits and bobs here and there and bonds for the kids when they were born and all of that sort of stuff. Um and then the odd thing had come into the dressing room. I remember Davy Platt when he came and signed for the club. That he was an intelligent boy, Platty, and really quite worldly. You know, he played in Italy, and he was, you know, he's and he, he always came. He always seemed to know somebody, and he was very well connected. And he came in the dressing room one day, and he said, uh, he sat down next to me, and he said, um, "Do you like wine?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." And he pulled a bottle of. Uh, Sassicaia Italian wine out of his bag and he went take that home and try that and I was like oh great I'll have it with some spaghetti tonight with my wife and came in next day I went where'd you get that from (laughs) I want some of that and he was like oh and and he was very connected to a wine merchant in London who's a friend of his who had got into Platy and said see if any of the lads are interested in investing in any wine so you know he, he hooked me in with the bottle and then he said, oh, this friend of mine, is just, you know, he's doing something. He kind of casually mentioned it around within, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes. He'd got about six of the lads to say, yeah, I'll, I'll buy some. What, what's the thing? And he said, well, you buy this amount and then they manage it for you and da da you know. So we, we and, and I have to say, out of all the things I've lost money on <laughs> over the years, and I've, you know, I've had a few bad investments here and there in several different projects. Um, the the wine was the best that I've ever done. And it's probably still up there with, you know, because I it was around the time of, it was kind of late 90s, then it went into 2000. So I bought, I was lucky enough to, I think we, well, we won the double in 98. Um, and so I think we had a few bonuses in around that time where we might, you know, win the league, and so we get a bit of spare money, and I bought quite a bit of two thousands first growths, and so, and I've still got them, and they're still going. So um, that was that was probably the best investment I've ever made, apart from obviously you know buying a house or something. The actual outside of your main investments, um, Platy did as well. So we uh, we still say thank you every time I see him. I go off, we have a glass of wine together. Yeah, I bet. I bet. One of eToro's uh, uh, USPs is our copy trader, which allows anyone to automatically make the same trades and investments as these these top popular investors, these top investors. Would you have ever trusted one of your your players that you played with to copy their investments at all? 
No, because not really. The, and when I say that, I, we were probably doing that in as much as you know, someone had always come in and go, "Oh, you should buy, uh, yeah, you should buy this stock." And so I guess that is copy trading in in a, in in the old fashioned way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go, "Oh, right." So the lads would go, "Have you have you invested in so and so stock yet?" And then, and then you know, you're on a hiding to nothing when you come in the dressing room, and because the lads are kind of you spend a lot of time together, you basically trust people. Um, you trust people because you, you you have to trust them when you're playing football. You kind of open yourself up to them and say, "Look, we're in this together. It's a it's professional sport." So you you create bonds that sometimes are, are kind of false a little bit because there's no doubt that if you've got 21 players in a dressing room, you're not going to like. You know, Everyone. if you met 21 people who were put together in a pub, you go, you get on with a few of them. You wouldn't like some of them. You wouldn't trust some of them. And But in football, you, you're playing football with them. So some, one of the lads comes in and goes, I'll put five grand in this stock. You go, do you know what? He might be right. And I yeah. don't, you don't really know. I, some of the lads, I was close to, you know, a lot of them, but some of them, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, once they leave the dressing room, I wouldn't see them again till t- the next day. I wouldn't go for a, a meal yeah. with them or so it's a bit of a false environment so i guess the copy trading now is probably a little bit safer now in 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 um etoro to to because they've got, you, know, you can see a history and you can go oh you know you can make your own yeah. decision but you can see a history it's no history with joe center half who's come in and said come buy a load of stock in you know chinese whatever or i don't know it's it's kind of so i think we were copy trading back then but without any sort of assurances whatsoever yeah like you said uh, with the, the copy traders they can see all of the history everything they've ever done and i guess that gives people confidence uh, in them community is is a massive part of etoro um and we, we really believe it's, it's it's important uh one of the tops with the other top social investing platform that there is uh, but how important have you found community is in that dressing room you mentioned 21 25 players in there yeah do all players have to get on to be successful? Do they, or, or is it just we buy into the goal and that's it? Yeah, no, you 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 don't have to get on. Um, yeah. it's uh, and sometimes it it sometimes it, it helps if you don't get on in certain departments of the pitch or when you're playing. You don't really take you don't take grudges. You know, if you don't like someone, you don't get on with them on the pitch. As soon as the game's gone, you, there's almost like an unwritten loyalty rule that you go you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to stitch you up here what I'm trying to do is help both of us win a game so don't take this personally as soon as the final whistle goes you can you know jump in your Ferrari and go off to where I don't care where you go because it's you know I'm I'm not going to spend any time with you outside um but there is there there's a lot of occasions where you spend you do spend a lot of time together so it would kind of wouldn't work if you were fighting with each other all the time. So there's a kind of unwritten rule that you you get on in the sporting environment and you do the best for each other because ultimately winning is all that counts. And then the rest of it is um no I don't I don't particularly want to go out with your wife and you for a dinner because why would we do that? You know why would you know I'd be the same with you you'd look around your office or wherever you work and you look around and you go not going to go for dinner with him <laughs> it's just how it is it's human beings that interact but you're kind of thrown together with a you force 
like any work environment, I'm not saying football's special for that, but the, the dressing room's quite unique in that respect, but there's still offices that are the same or, or, or you know, factories or whatever it is, wherever you work, there is environments where you thrust together and go, get on with it. So I guess it's, it just seems like, because we're in a very small bubble of unique job, that we think that it only happens to us and it it clearly doesn't. It's, it's the same in any walk of life. You just get on while you're working and then after that, see you later. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember hearing famously Shaq and Kobe didn't get on uh, that well. Uh, last uh, sort of couple of questions, if that's okay, Lee. Yeah. Um, are there any particular financial markets that you're, you're most interested in uh, at the moment? Um, not... No, I mean, I, th- I guess, you know, the the cryptos are always, I don't really know, I don't, I don't really know enough about it to, to speak with any confidence about it, but they kind of intrigue me in a very scary sort of way. Um, so I tend to, I tend to, um, you know, I'm quite big stock kind of yeah. safety, safety play, well, say safety, I mean, markets, I'm not doing particularly brilliant at the moment, but um, it's yeah, and I'm you know I'm not a serious investor in that respect. I I don't basically I say I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I take advice and I you know I look at the the copy traders and I kind of, but I don't spend an awful lot of time on it. Is a there's a mm. bit of money there and it kind of goes up and down and it's a it's more of a. Uh, I say fun. I don't know if fun's the right word, but it's it's more of a uh, an interest as opposed to, you know, I, I need this to go up so much and then I'm going to back. What I don't understand, and it's something that I want to get better at, is understand, and I guess everyone's the same at different level, is trying to understand when something does go up, what, what my kind of long-term plan is or what my plan is, is if something goes up, do I... You know, do I sell some of it and and put the cash, you know, ready to go again? Do I sell all of it? Do when do I sell it? When do I keep it? Why am I keeping it? Is it going to go up anymore? All of the questions that everybody has. But I guess my strategy is, I'm very much flying by the seat of my pants because I'm like, but it's not enough money for it to be, you know, you know, be all and end all. So I guess I'm still in the fun zone of of, you know, I'm not working it if you like. And if it goes up, sometimes I go, Carl, I did a good investment there. And I'm kind of, I don't know why. So I'm very, very uh, um, naive, I guess. But I do enjoy look, you know, switching my computer on and going, oh, I've heard something today. Let's, let's see what's going on. So I guess it's more of a hobby than anything um, that I do seriously to, to make um, a long term, you know, huge amounts of money. So I don't know whether that'll change, whether I will use it. I'm probably using it a little bit more. And I guess, I guess every time something comes up that I, if I'm going to invest in, I I will find some money from somewhere and invest. So I guess my, you know, I'm not buying and selling and keeping it going round and increasing. I I tend to put a bit more money in. So I don't know whether that's the right thing to do. I should should be managing my ups and downs a bit better than I do. Yeah, I mean, regular investing, I think, is, is a solid way to go rather than just lump 
some at a time. And you mentioned the markets there are uh, under pressure at the moment with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and, and fingers crossed that can improve yeah, yeah. And, and in turn the market should as well. So it's actually quite interesting, which leads on to our next question, next question. But in, in the psychology of investors right now, what do they do? Do they realise this is a short term reaction of the markets and long term things will be OK or do they panic? Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, psychology, I've, I've, I've heard you speak before about the sort of psychology and mentoring of, of football players and, and, and so on. It's mm-hmm. so psychology very important to you. And do you apply that to your investing now or, or not so much? Um, I guess I do because. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm certainly not on the, and I'm this. I'm certainly not at the panic end of the scale. I don't go oh the market, and I guess I don't know how to put this without it. You know, I guess because the amount of money that I've got in in eToro and what I um, what I sort of play with, if 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 that's the right word, is it's not life changing in yeah, that respect. So it's not like. You know, right, what am I going to do now? I need right. I should sell because I, you know, so I'm, I don't, I, I don't go to panic mode. I just go, yeah. wow, that's gone down. And what do I do? Now? I'll just leave it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I tend to, I don't react. The only time I react is probably now, as in if the markets go down to a certain extent. I go right. I should be putting more in. Absolutely, <laughs> so I, right, I should yeah. be buying now. I should be right. This is the time, not when. I, oh, yeah, great. It's gone. It's gone up. You know do nothing well actually yeah because all that that's the thing this is when it goes up i guess my strategy then is i don't know what to do mm-hmm. when it goes down i do know what to do i should buy more that's that's my thought but it's when it goes up that i don't know what to do because i'm like well just because you haven't got ultimately unless you do something you haven't got anything yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. You know, because unless you cash in and use the money and buy a car or you buy something for your wife or whatever it is, unless you do that or you cash it out and then wait for like today and then buy something, buy buy in again. So when it goes up, I don't do anything. When it goes down, I tend to go. So you've got me thinking now, thinking, right, I need to get some money from someone. (laughs) (laughs) This is not financial advice. (laughs) Oh, of course not. Absolutely not. Of course not. No, I mean, I, I, for me, it's well, if if I invest in something, it's it's for the long term, and and as long as that story hasn't changed, I, I'm happy to hold it. But like you said, when things go up, you know, sometimes it can be good psychologically to take some profit, so you actually can then invest that elsewhere, and it's actually not a bad thing. To well, apply. that's that's the thing. That's the mistake I tend to make is that when, for instance, now it's a perfect example now, and we're not going to go into individual um, investments or. Mm amounts of money or anything like that but what tends to happen is when markets go down is that i haven't i haven't took anything out and put it into cash so i can buy again i'll look at the cash and i'll go i've got to put more in you know so that's that's the bit i don't manage particularly well i i I think because i don't have the cash now to go i should buy in again i'll have to put more in and i guess Long term, is that a bad thing? Well, I don't know. If it all goes up and in 20 years' time, I kind of go, wow, I've, I put low, quite a lot in and I've, I'm okay, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's, it's a, one of the ways we sort of teach it is that sort of almost dollar cost averaging approach where it's just regular, where it's regular sort of investing. And historically, you know, when markets are lower like they are now, it, it actually tends 
to, to be a good thing a year down the line. So you can see that sort of long-term approach is, yeah. is a good one. Leads us on to our, our last and, and final question. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh. Um, the big question, are we going to get top four? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many times I've been asked that? Over Honestly, like it's so many, I reckon. <laughs> two or three weeks. It's like, are we going to get top four? I... Well, when you say that, I've got to look at who's who we're fighting against. Yeah. And the two teams that stand out, West Ham have had a little bit of a wobble. Yeah. Um, Tottenham are very Spursy. So Yes. <laughs> um, Man United don't lose. And, yes. yet, and yet they it's so bad to watch for me. You know, it's yeah. like, and then when I look at Arsenal, I go, What's stopping me just going, of course, definitely, is, is the young element of, of our wow. team and, and including the manager. And I have to include him because it's his first job and he's relatively young and inexperienced. So when it all comes down to it, the plan is, is, is going well. But with those dips that you get with younger players and, and people go, people hear that and say, because people have said it all a lot, but why? Why do play? Why do young players have dips and then go? And and it's a really weird one. But my explanation of it is because they don't play with any fear. You get these, you know, big highs of going. They, they just go out and play sometimes, and you go, "Wow, look, they they're not scared." They don't, which is great. But then you get period, and I, the game that stands out for me is the Forest game in the FA Cup. When the week before they played City and lost, but played really well, and you go, wow, this team's like, play with no fear, and it's great. And then they go and play Forest, and they should have played, after 15 minutes, 20 minutes of that game, they should have been fearful, and they weren't, because the game was going away from them, and sometimes that happens, but because they, there's no fear and no, uh-oh, older, cynical we need to change this on the pitch and we need to be a little bit fearful because that wasn't there. You get a performance like that when you go, you know, and it, and it's the down is because of the same reason you get the up. Mm. They don't, they're not fearful. And the, and you need, sometimes you need to go, you switch on your fear button and go, we're in trouble here. What are we going to do? So they go, they don't realise they're in trouble. Well, we, they're, they're all over us at the moment. And they, because they haven't got an, an answer to it, they just carry on playing like they are. And you that's when you need a few senior players to go, whoa, whoa, come back here. You play there for five minutes, like Patrick Vieira or Petit, and just go, or we tell them, Patrick, in the early days, we'd go, Patrick, Manu, just sit here for 10 Steve. minutes because we're in trouble. I'm getting beat down the left wing. Nigel's getting done. We need just to... But you don't get that with youngsters because they don't know. Mm. And the same with Arteta. Sometimes he will make a substitution or not make a substitution because he hasn't got a backlog of data to fall back on because he's not been in this situation. He's like, should I make that? Yeah. Three years down the line, the substitution that he should have made, he'll go, remember when we played? Right, I'm going to do it now. So you've got, that's why you get the ups and downs. And uh, that's the only thing stopping me saying definitely top four. But I think we're in, we're one of the favourites for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to sometimes, you've got to sit on the fence, but there's the power of experience, right, in that answer. And I think that's so telling. And 
fingers crossed this Arsenal side can keep developing and in turn be a good investment. Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on. I, I massively uh, appreciate it. For those that are have made it this this far through, you can head over to the Utoro Academy where you've got podcasts, guides, videos, blogs, everything you can ever imagine. But Lee, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, guys. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.